Take your Bibles and turn with me tonight to Psalm 127. Psalms 127. Psalms 127. I mentioned that saying there, God will not protect you from anything that will make you more like Jesus. If you look who said that, that was Elizabeth Elliot. Her husband was killed by the Unka Indians. Uh, her and uh, different uh, two other men, as they went back to, they flew back in to begin their mission work there, and and they actually met them there on the banks when that plane landed and killed them. They later went back. The wives of those men went back, and they were able to get some the work started. Different ones started that. They've been back in. Um, uh, that area, they'd been back in that area and a great work started there. The, the tribal chief that was part of uh, the one that had them killed uh, got saved. Many in that tribe got saved and, and a, a great work became of it. The whole thing is this, God has a plan. We don't know what the plan is, but God has a plan. He's able to do great and mighty things. Psalm 127, if you would please stand for the reading of God's Word if you're able to. You say, preacher, you have us up and down, up and down. I know, but we all need some exercise, amen? <clears throat> Psalm 127, and we begin reading verse 1. It says, Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for so he giveth his beloved sleep. Lo, children are an heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of the youth. Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. They shall not, not be ashamed, but they shall speak with the enemies in the gate. Back in verse 1, I want you to notice what it says here, and, and we'll go on down through part of this, <clears throat> most of this psalm here as we look at this. But notice it says, except the Lord. Well, I'll tell you what, it would be good. I don't know if you write in your Bible or if you underline, but I'd underline that. Except the Lord. Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord Keep the city, the watchman waketh, but in vain. I'd like to preach a message I've titled, Except the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we come to you this evening. We sure do thank you for the day that you blessed us with. Thank you for the mercies that you've shown unto us. Thank you, Lord, that we have the freedom to gather today, tonight. And Lord, I thank you for the opportunity to preach from the Word of God. Lord, to sing those songs which we have already sang. Now, Lord, I pray that you would just challenge our hearts. May the Holy Spirit have freedom to work in every heart here. Lord, you know the need and the desire, Lord, in every heart. Lord, I pray that you would touch every heart. And Lord, I pray that you would be glorified. We thank you. We love you. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Be seated. If you look again there, probably in the heading of that verse, there were... It says Psalm 127. You'll see possibly right under it, or maybe in the very first part of that verse, you'll see uh, a heading there. It says that it's saying that it's a psalm of Solomon. It may say something like a song of degrees for Solomon. And so this is Solomon here. This is a psalm. Not all the psalms were written by David. Uh, 
some of them were by Solomon. Some were actually written by others that were written for them. And, uh, but this is one that, was, that Solomon had his hand in, in the writing of it. We're acquainted with many of the verses. If you go over into Ecclesiastes, we're acquainted with a lot of the verses. As you get into the, the book of Ecclesiastes, you begin to read down through there and you begin to, to see what uh, uh, Solomon is saying. One of the wisest men, well, not one of, the, the, he's classified outside of the Lord Jesus Christ as the wisest man to live in this world. And so we find that uh, he, he's writing some things and we should listen to him because he was such a wise man. It's written by Solomon that he had tried so many different things. He searched out so many things in this life. He, you know, we're limited to some things that we can do. He did not have any limitations. He was able to try and to seek out different things. And his response to most that he tried or looked at or considered or studied out His response was this, and it's found in the first chapter, the second verse. But you'll find it as it's written on down through the different verses throughout the book of of Ecclesiastes. But this tells it all here in verse 2 of Ecclesiastes chapter 1. It says, Vanity of vanities, saith the preacher. He's the one that is classified as the preacher in in the book of Ecclesiastes. So vanity of vanities, saith the preacher. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. All is vanity. Then he closes out his writing in Ecclesiastes in chapter 12, and he brings it down to what really matters in life. You find there in chapter 12, verses 13 and 14, the very last two verses of Ecclesiastes, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. After he's written all this, he's talked about all the vanities and how everything, uh, there seemed to be vanity in just about everything. After he's tried different things, after he's, he's studied things out, after he's looked at things, after he's gathered all kinds of things to him, he said, let's hear the whole conclusion of the matter, of the whole matter. He said, fear God, keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. The last verse he then says, for God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. Now, I don't believe that, you know, there, there are a lot of good things in Ecclesiastes, if you read it, and he comes back and says, this also is vanity. There's a lot of good things there that we look at and we say, well, you know, I don't see what the vanity is about that. There's a lot of good things. And I'm not saying, and I don't think that he's saying that it's of no use. And I don't think that he's saying that we shouldn't, uh, that we shouldn't be involved in some of those things and that some of those things shouldn't be a part of our lives. But I be- of themselves, I think what he's saying is of themselves, they're vanity. By themselves, they're vanity. Without the hand of God, could I go back to our very first verse? Except God have His hand on those things, it's vanity. Except God have his hand in your life and my life, it's vanity. All is vanity. We sit here tonight in this front row and some back here, Luke and, and them. Are you graduating this also? They're, they're graduating. Hey, listen, be sure they're graduating Saturday. And uh, be sure and get by. And Luke's heading off to the communist country of, of Illinois. No, I mean, uh, he's going to Illinois, and, and uh, you you going back home? Yes. Where's home? Iowa. Iowa. Well, that's more like it, all right. But anyway, uh, no, Luke's going to be going to about two hours from Chicago and stuff. And 
I look at their lives, and man, they're they're launching out into some things, and and uh, you know they got it seemed like their whole life ahead of them. The guys here, and, and some young ladies back here, and different ones are scattered around the auditorium. Your whole life ahead of you. But can I tell you something? Without the Lord, except the Lord, it's all vanity. It's all vanity. It's of no value. Well, preacher, I'm going to go make a lot of money. It's vanity except the Lord. Well, I'm, I'm going to I'm going to build me I'm going you know I'm going to build me a big house and you know and and I'm going to have about 25 children. You're nuts. <laughs> it's all vanity except the Lord. Except God has His hand in your life. Except God is with you. Except you follow the Lord. It's all vanity. You know what my prayer is for Luke and his friend and as they launch out from college there and, and some of these others. Uh, he's graduating this weekend and, and Noah knows graduating this weekend and different ones are graduating. You know what my, what my prayer is? That they include the Lord. I hope they do well in whatever they, is on their hearts. But I want it to be inclusive of the Lord. But not just for them, but for every single person in this room. Every single person. Then we get down here to the Psalms, which is actually Solomon's Psalm. He kind of brings, in Psalm 127, he reframes that thought in a short psalm or a a song. Five verses. And he kind of gives you a little bit of what he gives you in all of Ecclesiastes in this little short psalm. He's speaking here. He says, Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. So preacher, what is this house that the Lord needs to build? What is it? He said, except the Lord build the house. Well, what is this house? If the Lord doesn't build this house, they labor in vain that build it. So what is this house? I believe that the psalmist is speaking of this body, this life. That which we do in our life, how we live, what, what, we, what we include in our lives and on our, every day and, and, and how we live this life. I think this is the house he's talking about. We find that Paul, when he was there in 2 Corinthians, he, he's, he's, he's writing there to the Corinthians. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, I think he identifies this house. He says in, in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and begin verse 1, he says, For we know that if our earthly house... Of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God, and house not made with hands eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan earnestly, desiring to be clothed upon with our house, which is from heaven. If so be that being clothed, we shall not be found naked. For we that are in this tabernacle do groan, being burdened not for that which we would be unclothed, but clothed upon, that mortality might be swallowed up 
of life. And so I think what Paul is saying here, I think he's speaking of this mortal body and this mortal life desiring to be clothed with an immortal body and eternal life. He's talking about life in general. When you go to Ecclesiastes, what's, what's Solomon talking about? He's talking about life. He's talking about all that you would include in your life. And so he talks about this house being built here. This house that Solomon is speaking of is not of wood or a stone, a stone building, but life, our lives. He's speaking of, of how we are to build this life, what we're to put into this life. He said, except the, the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. You can go through all the, the AA plans and, and programs and do well. You can read all the, the life-changing uh, uh, betterment books. You can make promises to yourself and to those around you. You can turn over a new leaf. You can receive the world's outstanding person award, if there is such a thing. You can be successful in business, friendships, money, and much more. But when it comes down to the final days, when it comes down to the final hours, when it comes down to the final minutes, when it comes down to the final moment, the only thing that's going to matter is what the Lord did. Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. You see, one day it's sealed. One day it's done. This life is built. This house is built, we might say. But this house is going to, going to be dissolved one day. And so we must build with the Lord. Except the Lord build the nation. America became great because America was built on the Word of God. I don't care what the liberals say. They can take it out of history if they want to, but I'm old enough to have read the history before they start cutting it. You say, was you there? No, I didn't come over on with Columbus. But I happen to have enough history in me to know why Columbus came and why the others came and why, why we settled in, the, the Amer in America. I happen to know why the, the, the Constitution was written and, and the, the, those and read enough in, in history and even have some books in my office that tell about some of the things and why certain things was prescribed and written in the Constitution and they was centered around the Bible and around the Word of God. You don't get that in history class today. And this nation was built upon the Lord, upon what the Lord wanted. Yet America is losing its greatness. It's losing its power because America, for the most part, is not building on the Lord anymore. Most of Americans want the protecting hand of the Lord. You watch something happen and boy, you'll see everybody say, man, we need to pray, we need to pray, and that's good. I remember when 9-11 happened. Boy, I tell you what, after nine, the first Sunday after 9-11, the churches was packed by about three Sundays after Churches were at or below what they had been pre-9-11. Didn't last long. 
when the COVID hit, a lot of people began to say, we need to pray, we need to pray, we need to pray. We, we need God to intervene. They wanted the Lord to take care of them, protect them. Yet they don't want much else out of the Lord. Many of them. Notice what, this, what uh, the psalmist says here in verse 1. He, says he, he said, except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. But notice what he says, except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. We have some of the greatest technology, some of the greatest military in the world. We see some things. I remember when the deal there in Iraq and, and how they began to shoot those missiles and stuff off towards uh, Israel. And, and we set up those Patriot missile deals over there in Israel. And I thought, wow, boy, we've got some stuff. I found out later that was 1970 technology. Nobody even knew about it. And here it wasn't used until the Iraq deal. We've got stealth bombers that can evade radar and they've been out for several years now and I keep wondering what else have we got. We've seen the different types of missiles that's even been used in some of the technology that they have. I mean, who would have ever, heard, who would have ever thought that you'd have had a little thing called a switchblade? Uh, and and so it's a little drone thing that... It's a kamikaze drone is what it is. It goes in and blows itself up. And they, they've been, we sent all kinds of them over, to, uh, over to, to the Ukraine, and they've been using them to take out tanks with them. Never heard of them until then. Switchblade. I wonder what we got. That's probably old technology. I remember years ago in Piedmont how that they had this UFO deal and a lot of people, nobody could figure out what the UFO thing was. And you say, Preacher, do you know what it was? No, I don't know what it was, but I have a feeling that it was probably military technology. Way back then. You said, Preacher, they had technology when you was young? <laughs> don't get me started now. <clears throat> It's more than a tin can and a string, amen? But with all the military might that we've got, with all the nuclear weapons that we have, with all the advancements that we have, with all the great men and women that serve in this nation in the armed forces, except the Lord keep the city, except the Lord keep the nation. The watchman waketh but in vain. I'll tell you what will keep America safe is God. Who would have ever thought that a little nation called Israel could fend off all these great, powerful nations around it? Except God. Except God. You see, the, the problem is, is that we become so independent that we think that we don't need God. We think that we can handle it. We can do it ourselves. But I'm telling you something right now. He says, except God 
Except the Lord keep the city, the, the watchman waketh, but in vain. In, in Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 34 says, Righteousness exalteth a nation. That's what will build a nation. Righteousness, godliness, living for the Lord and serving God, having God in our nation. And now we're throwing Him out everywhere we possibly can. The same verse goes on and says, But sin is a reproach to any people. Except God. Build the nation. See, life is more than a job also. And it's more than things. Look at verse 2. It says, It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat, notice what it says, to eat the bread of sorrows. For so he giveth his beloved sleep. See, so many are worried about things. They're worried about jobs. They're worried about situations. They're worried about the stock market. They're, they're worried about sickness. They're worried about this. They're worried about that. And, and they're, they're I, I remember there in, in Piedmont, a man that, he's dead now. I remember a man that, that he was a well-off man. I mean, he was well-off. And he had an oil company and gas company. And he had... He had uh, uh, he had cattle and he had farms and he had uh, all, he had stores he had gas stations he had all kinds of things and he literally one day somebody was sitting with him in the Zephyr Cafe visiting with him and talking to him and and they were talking about a, a company coming into town and we called it the Onion Factory. And what they did is they processed onions for different things. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of the onions that you would get in onion rings at, at maybe Sonic and, and places like that came from that factory. And they was coming in and then also not only onions, but they had some potato type stuff going on there and different things. But anyway, they was sitting there and they was talking with him and and, and he was, he, and he, somehow the conversation got around about that company and, and all he could do was think about what he could do to, to do something to make money off of this company that was coming in. The man literally would lay awake at night trying to figure out how to make more money and more money and more money. Things. Didn't have time for church. Didn't have time for God. Too busy making the money. Too busy trying to be successful. Worried about losing a dollar here, losing a dollar there. And just any way to make more money. His wife and his kids, they, they did go to church, but he wouldn't. Man's dead now. Except the Lord. Except the Lord become part of your life. It's vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat bread of sorrows. Worrying about how am I going to make the next penny? What am I going to do if the stock market drops? What am I going to do about this and that? And how am I going to do this and that? And it's in vain. The Lord said, but 
If you'll include me, he said, he giveth his beloved sleep. The Lord says it's in vain to lose sleep over these things that so often we don't even have control over. A lot of times we don't have any control over them. And so we're to trust Him in, in all things. My life's verse that I quote so often in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 through 7 says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not into thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct thy paths. Be not wise in thine own eyes, but fear the Lord and depart from evil. He said, trust me, let me be a part of that part of your life and everything. He, and, and you say, preacher, do you worry? Oh, not a lot. Aren't you afraid of what's going to happen? No. I think the Lord's got it figured out. Preacher, do you think? I, I don't know. I think the Lord's got it figured out. I think I need to trust Him. You see, it'll drive you crazy. Except the Lord buildeth the house. When we realize that the Lord is in control, that's when we'll allow, and, and, and that's what I'm talking about when we allow Him to be in control of our lives including the things that we don't, that we want to control. I don't know about you, there's things I want to control. There is. If you'll be honest, there's things you want to control. But if we'll just turn loose of that and let the Lord have it, He'll take care of it. He'll take care of it. He'll give you peace. And He'll give you rest that drives away the sorrow and the weariness of the heartaches and the troubles. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, and down through 30, he says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Who's going to give you rest? Lord. This world can't give you rest. This world will put you in unrest. I tell you what, and, 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 I, and, I, and I watch it and I see it on, the, on the, you know, the, the, the news and I listen to it on the radio and all this stuff. And, and, and some people, I've heard people say, well, I don't know, you boy, just, it just upsets me. It don't bother me. I, it, why? I done turned it over to the Lord. I get mad. I'll put it that way. I get mad sometimes. Hunter asked me one day, he said, he said, would you kind of like to go over to the Ukraine and get in there and help? I said, yeah. Because I hate to see people killed and destroyed and devastated like what's going on there. He said, take, come to me, you are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. Ye shall find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Philippians 4, 6 says, be careful for nothing. And when he's talking about being careful for nothing, he's talking about don't let it, uh, you know, don't be obsessed with it and don't let it worry you to death and don't let it beat you down and don't let it destroy you. 
But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. He said, listen, instead of letting it destroy you, instead of letting, take it to the one that can take care of it. Take it unto the Lord. Except the Lord takes care of it, you'll not be taken care of. Verse 7 of that same chapter there says, And the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. But except the Lord built, except the Lord is in control, except the Lord is our peace and rest, there will be no real peace and real, no real rest. Then accept the Lord, build your home. Remember Joshua, the words that Joshua said in Joshua 24? He's addressing the people after they've come into the promised land. There's still some of the, the, uh, the heathen there, some of the, the, uh, the different ones that the Lord said that they were to drive out. They were still there and... And he's giving them some instruction here. Joshua's giving them some instruction, some of the last instructions that he gives them before he dies. In verse 15 he says, And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord. He said, Choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood, or the god of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. And then he comes down to his own house. He says, But as for me and my house... We will serve the Lord. Except the Lord build your home. I'm talking about your family. I'm talking about what goes on in your life, in your family's life. Except the Lord build that. Except He has the control in that area. It's going to be in vain. I see people, even in this area, building big homes and everything and and having all kinds of all kinds of things and buying their kids new vehicles that we would never probably touch. Having all kinds of things and running here, running there, and doing all kinds of things and become the popular ones or whatever. And yet in a few years, their kids are a mess. They've lost them. Some of them lost to drugs or lost to immorality or lost into the world in so many different ways. Some of them wind up in jail. Some of them wind up with their lives so messed up it's hard to get them straightened out. The home that is built on the, this world and the, this world's principles are losing their children to the world. I'm not saying that those who are serving the Lord will never lose a child to the world. I'm not saying that. Let me tell you what, it'll make a big difference. That child will come to a place at one point in their life where they'll have to decide how they're going to build. And then they become responsible. They become responsible. And when they leave the Lord out of their life, they will suffer the consequences of it. They may be successful in this world's eyes. They may be popular in this world's eyes. They may have things that people in this world want. But except the Lord be in control of their life, 
It's going to be difficult. Notice there in verse 3, he says, Lo, the children are an heritage of the Lord. The fruit of the womb is His reward. As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of the youth. Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with the enemies in the gate. I'm not going to get into all of what this verse means, and there's a lot of ways we could go with that, but one thing I want you to notice there says, Lo, the children are an heritage of the Lord. Who gave you those children? God did. Who should you raise them for? God. Who should be the greatest influence in their life? The Lord. Where are they going to get it at? Are they going to get it in the public school? No. Are they going to get it at the workplace? No. Are they going to get it at Walmart? No. Are they going to get it? No. They can only get that from the Lord Himself. I'm telling you what, moms, dads, grandparents, we ought to stay on our knees. Great grandparents, you ought to stay on your knees. Praying for those children and that the Lord would be a part of their life, that, that they would follow the Lord and not the things of this world. How, oh, how the Lord is to be the greatest influence in our home, not the TV, not the computer, not Hollywood, even their styles and their lives and not the, the sports people. I, I am so sickened by so much of this junk that you see and the, the styles and everything because of, of some, some, uh, some character out in Hollywood says, hey, listen, we're going to do this and we're going to do that. And you just watch them. They're just like a bunch of little robots following what Hollywood does and, and doing what Hollywood does and, and and wearing what Hollywood does. And it's amazing in our day and time. And you look at that and you think, you've got to be kidding. I think I've seen it all now. No, wait till next week. It'll come again. Something else. Do you know who our children will be influenced by? Word of God. Godly Christians. Moms and dads who love the Lord and who trust the Lord and follow the Lord. That's where that influence should come. Hey, listen, accept the Lord. Build the home. You see, the children are a heritage of the Lord. Therefore, their lives, they should be molded and built on the Lord and His Word. Except the Lord build the church, it'll not stand. We're living in a day and time when churches are just falling over into anything and everything. So many of them are turning from the Word of God. So many of them are turning from the, the preaching of God's Word and becoming nothing more than rock concerts and things of that nature. It's amazing that you can walk into many of the churches in our day and time and they look like a rock concert with all the lights and all the stuff and all the big stage band and everything and all the, the, everything that's going on. Matthew 16, 18 says, And I say unto you all, unto thee, thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Why is it that we have so much wickedness going on in our day and time? And you hear of so many preachers and so many so-called Christians who are, are being arrested for immorality and all kinds of junk. Drugs and all kinds of things. I'll tell you why. Because we're not building the church on the Lord. 
That's why we need to stay in this book. That's why we need to stay on our knees. That's why we need to stay near the Lord. We need churches that will stand on the rock and not change with the winds of this world. You see, the longer I live, the more I see, the more I understand. Used to be, I, you know, this age, that age, some of the age of some of these others in here, young, starting a family. I felt like, boy, I've seen a lot. I know a lot. I knew nothing. I didn't understand a lot. But after you, years in the ministry, working with people while I was in business, working with people as a pastor, working with people in job situations on, on the side, watching life, I begin to understand some things that's really important. I understand that for some of you, it's going to be, you just shrug your shoulders. But accept the Lord be the builder of it. The things that's in your life. Accept the Lord be the purpose behind your life. Accept the Lord's hand be on your life. We would have to go back to Ecclesiastes 1-2. Vanity of vanities, saith the preacher. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. So now comes the need in our lives as we see and we know the truth of the building of the house. The Solomon also said, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God. Keep His commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. And then he closes it with this again. For God shall bring every work into judgment. See, preacher, what is that every work? Some of the men here in this church, they build things. They build houses. They build all kinds of things they do. That's labor. We'd say, yeah, that's, that's, that's work. That's, that's, you know, that labor. That's doing those things. Every work. But you see, as a Christian, what I do in my life what I do with my life is a work of building the house. And except the Lord build that, it'll be in vain. Except I turn my life over into the hands of the master builder. Except I say, listen, I, I have an idea. I could build a, a, this, I could do that, but I don't think it's going to turn out the way I really, really want it to. 
I'm going to call in a contractor. His name's Jesus. Hmm. What did Jesus do? What was his father? Joseph was a carpenter. And Jesus himself learned how to build. But he learned not from Joseph. He learned from his heavenly father of how to build. And he has passed the word on to you and I, let me build the house. Let me build the house, he says. Don't try to build it your way. Let me build it in you. Say, preacher, how do you do that? We surrender to the Lord. We follow the Lord. We put Him in every area of our lives. So many times we have this area over here. Okay, God, this is your area in my life where I'm going to heaven, my salvation. This is your area. I go to church. I have problems. This is your area. But over here we have this area in our lives that I want to do this with my life. I want to do this with my life. I want to do this with my life. And the Lord says, no, you understand. That part is a part of this building. And if you don't make that part a part of this building, it's going to crumble. Except the Lord build the house. We need to walk after the Lord daily in every area of our lives. That doesn't mean that we don't try to prosper. Let me ask you tonight. Ask you guys, why do you work? We'll be here all night unless you answer me. Make money. Why? Hmm? Support your family, that's good. But did you ever think about that a job is an opportunity that God has given you Yes, to make a living, support your family. But to use you to be a witness and testimony of those that you'd be working with. Maybe to support missionaries on the mission field. Maybe to support a church to get the gospel out so that souls can go to heaven for eternity. A job is more than just making money for you so that you can buy a house and a car. Food, what's food for? Preacher, you ought to know you're big enough. You've ate enough of it. Keep us healthy. Why? Give us energy. Why? So that I can live for the Lord. Why do I have a, a mouth and a tongue? Well, you're a preacher. You, you need that. You got a mouth and a tongue too. is to share with others about the Lord. I could go on, and I think you understand what I'm saying. Life is vanity, except the Lord build the house.
You see, life ends. Joyce told me of, man, I'm sorry, Joyce, I forgot the name, but the man that died at 44 years old. Brother Sam's mother passed away, 56 years old. There's people die in their 20s. There's people that die in their teens. There's people that die earlier than that. Then what? Then what? We're all builders for eternity. It just depends on who's going to do the building. Who we allow to do the building. Because I guarantee if you don't accept the Lord build the house, Satan will be your subcontractor. And he will use inferior building material. And he will use that that will collapse in your life. Except the Lord. Except the Lord. Should I do this? I want to. But what does the Lord want me to do? That'd be a pretty good thing to ask on everything we do. What's the Lord want me to do? Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you that you are the builder of the house. Help us, Lord, to do that which is pleasing unto you. Help us, Lord, to allow you to build this house. One day, Lord, when we step into that new tabernacle, that new house, to be clothed with the eternal life, Lord, that will not be ashamed. Lord, let not this life be vanity, but let it have purpose as we allow you to build the house. We love you, Lord. Help us to live for you. For us, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with me tonight with your heads bowed?